0: All right, you're very welcome. Along to an RT Rugby Podcast special over the Christmas period, uh, I'm delighted to be joined by former Connacht and now Stade Oryak uh, flanker Owen Masterson, who's joined us to tell, a, tell us a little bit about what life is like in the the Pro D two in France and look back a bit on his Connacht career. Owen, thanks a million for joining us. I suppose the the first question people want to know is what's life like in the in the Pro D two in France.
1: Well, thanks very much, Neil. No, it's it's great to be on and chatting to you. So, thank you very much. Um, yeah, I've really enjoyed my time so far in Oriak. Uh, uh, we're in obviously December now. It's it's flown by to be perfectly honest. Um, we have our a match against Rouen coming up against this week, against us this weekend now. And um, hard to believe that'll be our fifteenth game in in the Pro D two. The the games come thick and fast here, and. Um, Yes, yeah, suppose it's all been a bit of a whirlwind. To be honest, I suppose every time I found out that I wasn't going to be playing with Connacht for the, for the next season, and obviously it was very disappointing news at the time. But your attention quickly turns to what's the next step. Um, I wasn't going to be twenty nine until April, and still felt I was very much in the in the prime of my career, and and wanted to keep playing. And um, unfortunately, last year was was a pretty tough year for a professional rugby player to be looking for work. And as you've seen, as you'll have seen since with Wasps and Worcester, you know, there's a, a lot of players looking for jobs and, and can't find them and um, I suppose what happened to me was I had a, a very good friend Paddy McAllister who I knew from playing with Connacht and Paddy himself had obviously played with Ulster and then moved to Oriac and had played with Gloucester and then I met him at the at the end of his career in in Connacht and um, he just gave me a call one day around, around May time and said look I'm sorry to hear your you're you're leaving and you know what what are you thinking to do and I said oh, I'm I'm keen to keep playing I'm, I'm I'm keen for any any option available at all I'm willing to go anywhere and keep playing and um, the next day Paddy gave me he kind of said I've actually had a I just had a phone call I gave the vice president of um of Oriak a call and I sent him on your footage that you sent me and uh, I think they're going to be keen to to have you in and it, it seems so bizarre that when it happened it happened that quick because I've been alert uh, searching for you know clubs all of February all of March all of April and majority of May and then within two days um and a call from a friend I was uh I was heading over to do a medical in France and took my three weeks holidays then and then was back into pre-season at the end of June uh, start of July and yeah as I said it's flown by since um and almost at a, at the Christmas break now for the pro D two, which is a uh, really much appreciated as a professional player, uh, there's there's a gate break in the season for two weeks, which uh, I will take full advantage of.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's the, the uh, that kind of leads into what I was going to ask you about. Obviously, it's the the durability needed in in that league and how the games are just coming one after the other, as you said. Like this will be going out probably later on in December, but you know we're speaking here today it's the thirteenth of December. You've had you've had fourteen games so far this season. You've played in 12 of those. You've played, they've they've mainly been starts. You've played 80 minutes in the bulk of those as well. Like, it's probably been quite a, quite a time since you've got to this stage of the season and you've had 10 to 12 games under your belt by mid-December.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. But what I will say, I suppose, from a player point of view, I found the schedule to be incredibly player-friendly as well. So obviously, you know, rugby, club rugby is massive in France and with the TV deals as well. Pro 2 always has a game on a Thursday night. And then the rest of the Pro D2 games are on a Friday night for the television on Canal. And then the top 14 games do be on Saturdays and Sundays. So for Pro D2, the schedule is pretty consistent unless you have a Thursday game, you play on a Friday, we come in and review on a Saturday, uh, depending if it was an away game, because we always bust back, we might have the Saturday off and then come in and review and prep for the next game on a Sunday, train Monday, train Tuesday, recovery day, Wednesday, captain's run Thursday, and then play again on Friday. Um, And, the blocks are pretty consistent as well, and that we do a block of five games and then a week of no games, and then you go again. So, yeah, it's 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 it is pretty condensed, but I've also found it to be very player friendly. But um, yeah, I, I've absolutely loved, I suppose, getting the game time, obviously. Um, been a while as you said yourself since I would have had racked up that many minutes and that many um that many appearances which which has been great and you kind of find yourself getting into a rhythm as well, the more you play, the more you feel yourself able to play and that kind of you get that match fitness and that kind of durability built up a little bit so um yeah, it's it's been great for me personally I can't really say a bad word at all about, about the league and about Oriak at all
0: And off air as well you mentioned one of the, the joys of it is the, the little Christmas break you have coming up like normally you'd be this time of the season, you'd be getting ready for a couple of big interpros, Christmas week. You know, probably since Stephen's Day, and then one New Year on on New Year's weekend as well. A nice little change of pace that you don't have that.
1: Yeah, no, it's look. Obviously, the, the interpros over um, over Christmas are massive games that you're really keen to play in as well. But it obviously, it, you know, it goes hand in hand. You, you can't, you know, be a professional be a player and expect to enjoy your Christmas like that as well. You, you you know, you have to choose one or the other, which which was the case for, you know, the last, my last nine years in Connacht. But um yeah, I'm not complaining certainly about the, the break for the Pro D2 and the lads themselves uh, seem to look forward at massive, massively as well. We've, as I said to you, we've, we've won a big game coming up now. So the focus has been on putting in a big effort this week and then, you know, we've been told to go off and enjoy the Christmas as best you can and we're at the halfway point then and we'll make a big charge. Uh,
0: you kind of touched on the you touched on the exit from Connacht and, you know, finding out the news, you said it was, it was back in February. I might go back to, to that day when you did find out, like, how does, how does that happen? Are you just kind of called in one afternoon after training to get the news? Is it like a scheduled meeting where you were going to go in and, and actually talk about, you know, a potential contract? How does, how does that actually operate for, for those on the outside who, who wouldn't have a clue?
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. And I suppose, Myself personally, you probably always be when it when it when you're when you know your contract's out, you know, you're always very keen to play and you're very nervous if I get an injury now or if I if I don't play for a few games in a row, that you know, maybe it, it won't it won't do me any favors with with my contract up for renewal. So, I suppose the truth of the matter is, I kind of had a bad feeling from early on in the season. I think you know, I was fit and available for preseason, um, you know, kind of played two preseason games off the bench, uh, the first game off the bench, excuse me, and then played. The second preseason game, and then when the first competitive game came around, I was not in the twenty three, and the same for match day two and match day three and match day four, and then eventually uh, got my opportunity to play in in match day five against Ulster in the Viva Stadium, which was which was a great win for us, and you know one of my one of my fond memories playing with Connacht, and then it, there was a big gap in the URC at the we'd about three or four weeks off, and then when the team came out for round six, I was back out of the twenty three again, so then I, you kind of start to get a maybe a bit of an uneasy feeling, so maybe I'm not in the plans. I'm not playing as much as I used to, um, you know, obviously I was a, no longer really a young player that they were maybe looking to progress down the line. I, I was a player with, with 100 caps and, you know, when you're at that stage and you're not into 23 and you're not, you know, contributing on the field, you kind of start to think, OK, maybe I'm surplus to requirements here. And um, I suppose as the season went on, I did manage to play a few more games um, kind of off the bench here and there when there was injuries. Uh, and then I suppose my last game before I kind of knew for definite was we played at home against um against Glasgow, and you know we had a, we had a very bad loss. But I suppose from a personal kind of point of view, I was kind of proud of what my efforts on the field and proud of of um you know what, what I produce. But then when the team came out for the next game, I wasn't involved again. And then I said, okay, it's it's time for me to go in here and have this conversation first of all around selection for the week, and then um and then I suppose that led into a conversation around okay, what's what's the future look like. And uh, yeah, I suppose I got the news then that it, it was it was unlikely that I was going to be staying on with Connacht. And uh, look, no qualms about how it was handled or anything like that. I thought uh, Andy Friend was very respectful in how he did it. And it was very helpful to me as well in trying to take the next step as well, whether it was staying in the game playing or to move on to something different. Um. So yeah, look, that's just the nature of professional Obi. It wasn't too nice and obviously maybe not something I'd agree with as a professional player. You always feel that, you know, you're you're the best and you should be involved mm-hmm. Every step of the way, but um, that that's that's how it happened. And uh, as I said, it was probably the hardest bit was probably February, March, April, May, when you're trying to find out what the next step is, and it's just very unclear what that next step is going to be if there's going to be anything in rugby for you. So that's uh, that's how that um, panned out.
0: So you said you like it. Had, it had been in your mind for a while, probably that the you, you yeah. didn't have a good feeling. you were, you were kind of saying over over those few months
1: exactly exactly does well, that sorry
0: as well does that kind of does that affect your performance in training does it affect you much when you're when you're out playing in matches are you are you conscious of the fact that you feel you have a point to prove maybe when you're out there or you're in it into those final few months of a contract
1: um well i'd like i'd like to say no it didn't affect me and i went about my business as usual and i i think to be perfectly honest maybe while I was training and while I was playing I, I'd like to think it, it didn't affect me but it probably it's probably when you're off the pitch and you're spending a lot of your downtime thinking about it a lot and going back and forth in your head and trying to um trying to maybe plan theoretical kind of um pathways in your head of what might happen and um but yeah I suppose I suppose particularly after that Glasgow game I I was particularly up, you know. We we'd obviously had a bad loss at home, but I was I was kind of particularly upset upset after that game because I kind of knew after a bad result that I wasn't going to be in the mix for the for the team the, the following week, and I kind of I kind of had a feeling in my in my own head that geez, that might be the last time I um I play for Connacht, and I suppose I think the la- next time I played for him was the last game of the season, which I really really appreciated being uh, you know getting a run out getting a run out uh, in the sports ground one last time with a few of the other departing players and alongside my brother as well, uh, in a home game against Zebra. So, yeah, I think I think the Glasgow game was my second last game, and um, then Zebra, was the last game of the season, I did was the next time I played again. So, yeah, yeah, I, I suppose to, ans- to answer your question, I'd like to think it didn't affect my performance and my approach to training, Um, but definitely off the pitch, it definitely weighs heavy on the mind.
0: And you said you were straight back to it with, you know, trying to map out the future, figuring out what was coming next. Was there, was there any part of you that thought, you know, I'm... You were what, 28, 29 at that stage? You've had a decent 100 plus games of professional rugby. You've come through it, you know, fit and healthy. Is there any part of you that thinks, you know what, I might move on here? Or was it straight on, I'm going to find a new club. There's going to be another chapter?
1: Well, certainly what I wanted to do was to keep playing. And there was absolutely no point of me, no part of me that wanted to do anything else. But at the same time, I had to be kind of practical and think, okay, look, I can't. I can't, you know, let let June, July, August come around and have no plans in place for anything else. So, you know, yeah,
0: kind of, if the phone the phone mightn't ring, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, exactly. That's- so,
1: I, I was I was definitely very conscious of having a plan B and whether that was going back to college or go and play in, uh, go and play in AIL and try and get a job like that or to get involved in some coaching. Um, you know, I I did a lot of uh, kind of soul searching of what my ideal plan B would be, but um, certainly I would know um. I knew what my plan A was, and that was was to keep playing professional rugby at the highest level I possibly could, and what, wherever that was. And yeah, very as I said, very grateful that Paddy McAllister picked up the call, picked up the phone, and called me, and um, that I'm, I'm, I got an opportunity to play in the French Pro D two with Oriac Were there were there many other offers on the table? No, <laughs> to be perfectly honest, I'd love to say I'd love to say um, you know I turned down this and I turned it that, but. Oriac was the first uh, concrete offer I got, and uh, it was the first one I took. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I, it must. I'd, I'd love to I'd love to be in a position of luxury where you you get to pick and choose where you go and pick and choose what you want. But I did. I, I didn't have that. Um, <laughs> didn't have that luxury.
0: Yeah, like, and wh- when that offer will say comes in, is there is there part of you that's like is time of the essence a little bit as well, where you obviously want to kind of give us a decent amount of thought and make sure it's the right move? But I would imagine there are dozens if not hundreds of rugby players being released out of out of contracts all around england ireland scotland wales france and they are also looking for deals elsewhere so do you kind of have to strike while the iron is hot with these things no
1: absolutely and i suppose um i just got married in august there as well so um i had to had to you know run it past uh my wife or my fiance at the time my wife now and just to say look is this is this something that works? And she was so supportive. Um, she was a nurse in, in Ireland, and um, was able to you know take take a career break. And um, yeah, it's it's suppose once once I got that kind of green light, I knew okay, there's no time to waste around here. I've been waiting for three three and a half four months to get something on the table. Let's just let's just go now. So um and you know, I don't regret a single a single part of it. Um,
0: one thing you mentioned earlier on when you were talking about Patty, and you said the he sent on the kind of the highlights video. I'm I'm very curious about what these highlights videos are. What's in it? Is it all just the, like, are you just showing tackles? Are you showing pictures of you standing in the right place in defense? Is it all the goods? So, do you throw in something that's maybe a little average just to, just to show there's a bit of honesty in you? Like who puts all that together? How does, how does yeah. that highlights package work?
1: Yeah, no, I so suppose obviously I have a, an agency as well that, that look after me I'm trying to, um, trying to push me out and trying to... The highlights package certainly consists of only all, all your good stuff. As you know, I think someone said, you know, never seen a bad highlights package. <laughs> um, so some so it depends. Some clubs will look at a highlights package and say, this guy fits the profile of, of what we're looking for. Whereas other teams will want to see three or four complete games so they see the good stuff, they see the bad stuff, and they get a kind of a better idea of what a player contributes in the 80 minutes. But yeah, for me, to Oribeck, I think they're just... They saw the highlights package and they had a, had a gap for me in, in their back row, second row. And uh, yeah, uh, as I said, it all happened pretty quickly.
0: So when an offer comes in from Auriac, like how, how familiar were were you with the club, aside from the fact that your friend Paddy McAllister had played with them?
1: Yeah, I think and that's that's about where the familiarity ended. I know uh, Jeremy Davidson, who went on to coach Brieve had coached him back uh, around 2015-2016. They got to the Pro D2 playoff final. Um, and that's, supposed suppose, where, where the familiarity, familiarity ended. Um, first thing you do probably is look it up where it is on the map and where the nearest airport is and how, how do you get there. Um, and yeah, so I think we're flying back from Toulouse and we're about three hours north of Toulouse, uh, Toulouse airport. And then in summertime, we have a summer airport about an hour and a half away called Rodez. So um, yeah, that's kind of the first steps you take. And then you yeah, ask around maybe people who um, who've been there and who play there. So Peter Nelson, who previously played at Ulsters here as well. So I got onto him, contacted him. And then there's a, a young man here as well from Burr, Ronan Lochnan as well, who's in the academy here. And yeah, two, two great guys to suppose ask him about Aurillac. And I suppose, um, about and if I suppose any, anyone who's played in France as well would always say Aurillac is a very tough place to go and very t- tough place to live. But that's not been my experience so far. I think a lot of people saying that are people who are coming on big, long away trips uh, through the mountains to Aurillac. And it might be a bit wet or snowy in, in the winter and that's their only impression of Oriac but I've really, really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I think those those away trips in the Pro D2 are are famed at this stage, aren't they?
1: Yeah, yeah I think uh, we're heading, as I said, to Rouen now. We have to leave on Thursday morning at half eight for a 10 or 11 hour bus journey up to up to the north of uh, France there, just above Paris. And uh, yeah, we'll be playing our game at half seven on Friday night and then a 10 or 11 hour bus journey back, probably arriving in oriac nine or ten o'clock in the morning on Saturday. So, yeah, they're, they're certainly do it to the travel a bit different.
0: It, had you had you considered leaving Connacht at, a, at any other stages down through your career? I, I certainly remember a few years ago there was talk of interest from, from Scotland and obviously you've got a, you know, you have a Scottish father, you played under 20s with Ireland and Scotland and that was that had been kind of floated a couple of times that you, you might end up playing Test Rugby for Scotland. Was that was it ever something on the cards that you might depart Connacht a few years
1: well, ago, yeah. Look, to be, to be completely honest, I, when, when that stuff was floating around, um, I, I was thinking, God, I'm, I might have a decision to make here. And if that was the case, you know, I, I don't know what I would have done. I think, you know, certainly if, if it was if it was the case now, I'd obviously jump at the chance to to play for Scotland or play test rugby for Scotland. And you know, at the time, as I said, obviously I loved Connacht and wanted to stay at Connacht, but I don't know if it would be possible to play for Scotland and stay in Connacht. So, um, but to be perfectly honest, I think I'd never really heard Enton about that. Nothing concrete was made. Um, I know when I, I, obviously I made the choice myself to go to Scotland under 20s and um, I was told, you know, be, there, they'd stay in contact with me and, you know, that was the last bit of contact that I had. So, um, but as I said, look, it's definitely something I'm keen to explore in, in the future myself. And um, obviously, you know, I'm playing in the Pro D2. I very much doubt I'd be I'd be on their radar. But, um, you know, if, if an opportunity like that came up, I'd, I'd, I'd certainly jump at it. But to answer your question, I suppose I had never really had an op- offer to leave Connacht before, and you know I was very very happy and Connacht considered considered at home, and uh, yeah I, I was very keen would have been keen to stay again, but I suppose as it's transpired and you kind of you're you're kind of let go. I think the best thing for my career was to be let go and to to um to experience playing rugby in France in the Pro 2 and see where it takes me.
0: On the you mentioned your last game for for Connacht against Zebra at the sports ground, and you managed to get in and score a try as well. I am um, I had a look I had to look back at that that try actually there this afternoon um it's the so it's off line out small you come in and take it. I would say it's not exactly a classic shape. <laughs> normally I would have been expecting Dylan Tierney Martin the hooker to be coming in taking that ball at the back. was that a was that an executive decision on the on the last day of the season that you know there's an opportunity here I'm going for my try or was that exactly how it's laid out on the on the training ground?
1: Yeah, I, I think I think you're right that probably Dylan probably should have been the one scoring. Actually. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how it transpired. I think the lads at the front just did such a good job that there's there's no need for me to to transfer it back. And <laughs> I certainly wouldn't like to think I'm, I'm a greedy player, but uh, yeah, it was nice to was certainly nice to sign off um, with a try at the end. And you know what? They're not the most glamorous tries, but for forwards especially, they're they're very very satisfying when uh, when you get them all tries. It's it's kind of a try for all the forwards.
0: I like all joking aside as well. Like when I was looking at it, when you get up off the ground, literally the first person standing over you is your your younger brother Sean as well. Like that was that's a nice moment to have.
1: Yeah, no, look, as I said, it, it was a great day. You know, someone said to me before it was it was a fairy tale ending. I said, not really. You know, fairy tale ending would have been in a final in a URC final or in a Champions Cup final, but uh, it, it certainly wasn't wasn't a bad finish for sure. So. um no, it was a pretty cool day and I suppose there was a few other lads who played their last games as well so it was definitely nice to to share share that all with them and yeah, this is something I'm very appreciative of Andy Friend and the rest of the coaches for giving us that opportunity to to kind of say goodbye.
0: When you look back over the the time at Connox, like what are the what are the memories that jump out? I would imagine obviously the that entire 2015-16 season was incredibly memorable. Now I know you had a A very serious injury in the in the second half of that you know you probably all things going to plan you probably actually would have played in the the closing stages or in the the final against Leinster at Murrayfield but uh, it was a very very serious knee injury but what are the what are the major highlights down throughout those what eight years from academy eight nine years from academy through to Uh, nine
1: nine seasons yeah I suppose I suppose um but there have been so so many like great moments as well um suppose first first of all just maybe getting the opportunity to join the Connacht academy obviously i finished up with uh scotland in her 20s and didn't really have have any academy place anywhere and nigel carlin gave me the opportunity to come down on trial initially from the academy and um and then i suppose about 3 months 3 months into that i remember there was a connacht a game and pat lamb came up to the game we were playing ulster up in belfast and pat pat said to him lads you know selection for next week's uh Uh, rabble game as it was at the time because it's wide open, you know, we'll we'll reward anyone who plays, plays well tonight. And I am, I was just, just 20 years of age and played, played a decent game. And Pat was true to his word and selected me to make my debut uh, against the Scarlets in November, 2013, you know, six months have after, you know, not making the Irish under twenties, which was, which was pretty, pretty cool, you know, and very appreciative of Pat for that opportunity. Uh, And then I suppose, as you said yourself, the 2015, 16 season was, was filled with you know loads of loads of great memories. Um, obviously we won down in Toman Park for the first time, in in years. Um, and then obviously you know I had I had the knee injury as well, which was very disappointing. So the final, I suppose, itself was a little bit bittersweet, as as you said. Uh, but then getting back from that injury was another was another highlight, and getting back, you know, because I, I wasn't sure if the knee would be good at all, but it, it came good, and that was certainly another another highlight as well. And then obviously got the captain of the team on a couple of occasions, which was brilliant. Some of the some of the wins we had in Champions Cup, uh, at home to Gloucester and, um, at home to Montpellier as well were, were, were big big days. Getting to play alongside my brother was was fantastic. And then some of the other um interpro wins we had, uh, away in Leinster and away in Ulster as well were were great were great days. But um, yeah, I suppose I'm, I'm talking about highest error span over the full course of the nine years. But uh, and I suppose that look and the lows as well, you know, there's stuff you learn from as well, and the the highs, the, you know, the lows make the highs seem seem even better. So. Yeah, really, really great memories. And I suppose just the friends you meet along the along the way as well, the crack you have. Some of the, the, the journeys back from away games for Connacht as well. I'm, I'm talking about coming back from Maru and some of the journeys back from Connaught when you go away to places aren't the easiest as well. But the lads made make, make a good crack and yeah, lots of good memories.
0: Were you on the you're talking about the long journeys? Were you on the Siberia trip?
1: No, I actually didn't. I actually didn't. We we were we were left behind. Um and, uh, yeah, kind of was a bit jealous of lads coming back saying they did the best time ever. It's, you know, And just that, that was just part of the kind of the team at the time. That As you said, that 2015-16 year, I think Pat referenced it a few times that it really kind of brought everyone together, how they were stranded, you know, a frozen plane, uh, sitting in an airport, you know, everyone had you know, no showers no sleep but the lads just got on with it and had the crack and made the most of it and it kind of brought the lads together a bit as well. so yeah i wasn't one of those guys over there so when they came back and tell us all the crack they had it was yeah a little bit a little bit uh raging
0: yeah you're probably sitting at home there nice and warm when you hear about them being stuck and you're like oh geez i'm, I'm after escaping with one here but you yeah. come back and you obviously have that fear of missing out and you're, you're yeah.
1: all the great stories Exactly, exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, I think, I think at the time it was felt like we kind of won the jackpot, but now I'm kind of looking back as like that would have been a pretty cool experience to play in minus 30 degrees and experience that
0: <laughs> on on um on Rx so far. Like, how does uh, the pro pro D2 in general? We would see it over here, we get small little snippets every now and again, clips on Twitter, and it's it kind of just has this reputation of being a a bare pit of a league where there's you see the most ludicrous tries you see some ridiculous physicality the Thursday night rugby even just seems to to bring out a kind of level of craziness in the league as well it like how does this how does it compare with what you would have been used to in terms of the URC
1: yeah no great question I suppose the first thing I'd say about rugby in France in general is just that home form is is absolutely everything so i suppose with us in oriac now you know we we've played 14 games so far seven at home seven away we've won seven out of seven at home and one from seven away so uh there's there's definitely that kind of um i don't know if it's a mentality thing or just they just prioritize their home games and try to keep people fresh but there's certainly uh winning away from home is, is 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 a big big achievement but and and winning your home games is just the absolute minimum that's expected uh, the league in general is an incredibly tight league i think I think before last weekend we were we were sitting in like eight or ninth position, but four points off off the playoffs in, and then four points off the guys who are getting automatically relegated as well. So every team has beaten every team. It's it's all very very tight. I suppose in general about about the rugby as you're talking about, I think the ball in play time is a little bit lower than usual than Leicester came compared to the URC or compared to the the top fourteen here as well. But because of that, I think there's a lot more kind of playoff nine a lot more kind of physicality a lot more um scrums and mauls and set piece wow. stuff so um as a result then you suppose they they select guys and they look for guys who are those kind of big set piece guys big kind of heavy carriers big heavy men physical men so um and we've a prop here as well uh, Robbie Rogers, uh, Robbie Roberts who um played with uh Montpellier last year when they won the top 14 he's he's on loan with us now and he'd probably describe it to me as you know top 14 is probably a little bit faster a little bit more ball and play but Pro 2 as a result is probably a little bit more physical so um yeah I hope that answers your question.
0: Have you had to adapt your game much at all or, or kind of the, the style of rugby you would have been suited to? have you kind of fitted in well do you think?
1: Um yeah no there's definitely a piece of you that has to kind of unlearn a few things maybe and adapt a little bit I suppose there is that element of jouer jouer a little bit and uh kind of see what happens which I kind of ha- have liked to be honest I found myself getting the my hands on the ball a lot more and carrying the ball a lot more and being involved in lots of tackles and I suppose then just learning the language as well and I've managed to call the line the last couple of weeks and trying to uh obviously that takes a bit of, a bit of learning a bit of adapting getting used to it. but um yeah, there's as I said, there's definitely, definitely maybe a bit less structure involved, but um, I, I've kind of enjoyed it in a way and been able to have multiple involvements and repeated involvements, which has been kind of suited me. I feel.
0: And even just away from the rugby, like, did did you have much French going over? Like, what what's it been like? Is, you know, just being outside of the the bubble of home and outside of the bubble of Ireland.
1: Yeah, no, I suppose I did French for my leaving in two thousand and eleven, and haven't really um. I haven't really felt the need to use it since then but then I suppose in February then when I was looking for a new club um, started the Duolingo on the phone and been kind of keeping my uh, streak going on that and uh, I suppose yeah the lads have been great you know a lot of guys here who want to learn what want to learn English you know would speak speak English to me and I'll try and speak French back to them and they're learning English as I'm learning French and I suppose oriac is a place that as I said you wouldn't maybe come on your holidays so there's not much that English spoken here as well so you're pretty much in at the deep end and if you want to get your shopping done or want to get anything around town, you, you pretty much have to have a little bit of French and have to make the effort, which has been great, a great way to learn. So I think it's it's the only way to learn.
0: And finally, then before you finish up, the the future. So it's a was it a two a one year or two year deal you signs initially here?
1: I have a two year here with the option of a third. Um so yeah, as I said, we'll we'll see what happens. I'm uh really enjoying my rugby at the moment here. Um, but yeah, as I said, I'm still keen to kind of be the best player I can be and 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 see where it takes me. So um yeah, I said I'm almost halfway through this first season already, which is, which is incredible to think. And um, yeah, just just really enjoy my rugby. I've I've no intention of retiring anytime soon, and I, I think I'd like to keep playing in France for as long as I can.
0: Yeah, and like like you say, you're what turning turning thirty turning thirty in a, in a few months time, isn't it?
1: Yeah, well, ages away. Ages yeah, away. but he, no, but as <laughs> in,
0: I think we mentioned like that that you had the bad knee injury in twenty in twenty sixteen, but. From what I can tell, like you've had a pretty decent run of it injury-wise, aside from that one big one throughout your career.
1: Yeah, I, I think you know I've I kind of around Ireland under nineteen level I dislocated my shoulder and I've had that bad knee injury that you mentioned. I think I broke my hand once as well. So yeah, I, as I said, I don't I, I tend not to get injured too often, but when I do, I generally need to go for surgery and stuff. So when I when I do get injured, they tend to be long enough term ones. So um yeah, Touchwood uh been reasonably safe and reasonably uh unscathed. And exactly, I suppose that's that's the main thing, isn't it? I suppose in rugby, if you can stay fit and available, opportunities will come your way, and yeah. Number Durab-
0: one durability key in the in the Pro D two. The number
1: one ability is your availability. So yeah, and durability certainly in the Pro D two is is certainly massive.
0: Listen, Owen, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. I hope you enjoy your your Christmas break back in Ireland and the rest of the season as well. And hopefully, yeah, you can stay in touch with those playoffs and have a nice little crack at them in the second half of the season.
1: Thank you very much, Neil. Appreciate it.